Not Your Power Couple, Ken and Carol Cook, are not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests or even our listeners. The information contained on this program or website is not medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement. We always encourage you to do your own research. Good afternoon, Collin County. My name is Ken Cook, and this is Not Your Power Couple podcast. Coming to you today from McKinney, and we are meeting today with Mr. Jim Westerhide, who is running for McKinney ISD. And what place is it, Jim? At large, the whole city. At large, okay. The whole ISD. All right. And we are very grateful that he's taking time out of his busy schedule to come join us today. And uh, so, Jim, the first things first, uh, let's tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, thanks, Ken. Um, so I started life as a young child in Washington, D.C. The family moved to Cincinnati, where one of the most memorable things for me was playing Little League Baseball. I learned a lot from Little League Baseball and what teamwork was all about. And then the family moved down to Texas, where I went to the university and uh, got my Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering with honors and my Master's of Science at the University of Houston, um, and began my working career in the petrochemical industry uh, at Union Carbide Corporation's largest petrochemical plant in Texas City, Texas. Um, in that time, I was on the fire uh, squad. I went to Texas A&M Fire School, and I was on the emergency response team. Wow. Excellent. And I have to tell you, uh, uh, fire school is uh, pretty exciting. Uh, we fought some big fires. Yeah, more and teamwork too. Very much so. If you 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 got a three man host squad and you better be counting on everybody because mm -hmm. if somebody drops the ball, things can go bad and in a hurry. Um, from there, I went when I finished graduate school. I went to Alaska to work for Arco Alaska, and in my time at Arco Alaska, Ellen and I uh, enjoyed this the city and the state and all the outdoor activities that it had, and that's where we adopted my uh, son Adam from. Uh, Catholic Social Services, and what a lot of people don't know is that Adam has a black father and a white mother. Oh, okay. And I'll tell you a little bit more about him later on when I tell you about uh, why I think I should be in that seat on the board, but uh, we uh, we loved him very much, and we could have cared less. In fact, they told us we were kind of trapped in San Francisco at the time <laughs> because I was the superintendent, the first superintendent of the seawater treatment plant for ARCO at Prudhoe Bay. The largest of its kind in the world at that time, processing 100 million gallons of water a day through several unit processes wow. in order to be injectable into the reservoir for water flood secondary recovery. Uh, that plant today would be worth $1.2 billion. It was 600 feet long, 150 foot wide, and 10 stories tall. Wow, that's um, huge. It, is, it was a monster, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and it's still a monster. Um, uh, I spent some time in Korea where it was being fabricated. Uh, leaving Ellen behind in Anchorage with Adam uh, for about a month and a half, uh, reviewing the design, uh, making sure we could get the parts that we needed to get to, that they didn't build it as cheap as possible, but build it operable as well. And then when it came on sea lift across, uh, we had hired and trained most of the staff, and we commissioned the plant. We only had one small incident, and after six months, uh, they moved me into Anchorage into the Kaparic field, uh, where I rose to the facility engineering manager of Kaparic. 
Uh, then they they decided, my, my bosses decided I need to go to Japan and set up a team to surveil the um, design of a major gas pipeline, 26-inch uh, high-pressure gas pipeline from offshore Indonesia from an island into Surabaya, the fourth, second largest city at 4 million people, for uh, power plants and fertilizer manufacturing. Um, and I moved along there to a gas project, and then I left there as the vice president of projects. We were managing half a billion dollars in today's dollars worth of assets, 16 to 18 project, a couple hundred folks that I had the very great privilege to lead. Um, and we also established a new organizational model uh, called the Integrated Interdisciplinary Team, in which the bosses are coaches and the folks get to do almost all of the decision making. And uh, so that taught me a lot about how organizations and teams work. Um, while I was in ARCO, Alaska as well, I was a part of a seven-person task force to uh, basically fix and reconcile a failed compliance audit. Now, that's not a financial audit. That is a look at how are you conducting your business? Are you following all your processes and procedures? And an, and an Aggie mechanical engineer and me, a Longhorn mechanical engineer, teamed up as co-chairs. We decided in that team that we believed down deep that part of the problem was that people were working at cross purposes. They weren't cooperating like they should. And so we thought, well, we're going to show them out of the box what teamwork is like. And here's an Aggie and here's a Longhorn who are making it work. And if we can make it work, yeah. anybody can make it work, right? right? Well, Jim, you got you got a lot of experience there. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, what's been your local involvement here in McKinney? I mean, how do you relate all that experience to being on the ISD? How would you talk about your volunteer experience and what you've done here in McKinney? Okay, so so I, I've been in volunteer work um, off and on throughout my life. Uh, we got to McKinney 25 years ago, and pretty quickly I joined the Rotary Club. I was a member of the Rotary Club in Anchorage, both the, both the hillside and Sunrise, and I joined Sunrise Rotary here. And uh, I, w I became a co-chair of Camp Ryla, Rotary Youth Leadership Award Camp, where we select through an interview process uh, young students from McKinney ISD to go to a month-long camp, basically about leadership and cooperation and working mutually together together. Uh, and so I enjoyed that very much. I was also, excuse me, a member of the PTA. Uh, Ellen and I were room parents for the fourth grade. My granddaughter was a student there. My son was a student in the, in the late 1990s. So I have two decades of experience with students actually being an MISD. And on the PTA, I judged two of the science fairs that Valley Creek had. I took, I took the kids to the art museum one day. Uh, for an old grandfather, that was a real interesting experience. Um, <laughs> and uh, served them ice cream floats and just basically did things that needed to be done around the school from time to time. Uh, and I, I enjoyed that very much. I just love kids and, um, and love to see them interacting and working together as they can. Uh, so that that's and I'm a current member of the PTA at Valley Creek although because of my candidacy I've been really really busy and haven't had any opportunity to really participate at the school at this point in time. Well, understandably so. I mean, you're yeah. out there knocking doors and trying to get people to vote for you. So, um what Jim, what are your biggest concerns with McKinney ISD right now? What do okay. you what do you see that as? Okay. So so let me can let, let me say first there's a lot of good stuff going on. Um I have 
spoken at every school board. Well, I've been to every school board meeting since March of 2020. That's almost three years. And I, except for five, I do like to do some outside activities, you know, yeah, right. and, um, <laughs> and spoken at many of them. And when the opportunity is there, and I know of a specific incident where a counselor or a teacher has done something exceptional, I point it out. Uh, I think it's only fair to have a balanced approach whenever you're looking at making improvements in an organization. Everything is rarely always in need of improvement. There are always some good things going on. You want to work off of those if you can with right. others. Um, I have to tell you, one of the first things I will do when I get there is I will ask the current incumbents, what can I do to help us work better together? What can I do for you? That's where a principal-centered servant leader starts, is from within trying to help others work as a team. In, in looking at things that need improvement, um, performance, um, academically, and, and transparency are two things that I believe could use a significant amount of work. So let's talk about a couple of elements of performance that I think need work. Uh, first of all, we've had a fairly high teacher turnover. Uh, I think you'll see that the district had a, uh, uh, an announcement where they hired 400 teachers from sometime last spring uh, into the start of this year. And of a date to date sometime in October, there were like 1,644 teachers. So the simple math says you came from 1,244 to 1,644, and you basically turned over not quite a quarter of the workforce. And in my own experience, when I was at ARCO, I managed a technical recruiting program for ARCO International, and in Alaska participated in the Engineering Development Task Force, in which we were responsible for all technical recruiting. And that high a turnover rate is inherently destabilizing for an organization. So when you've got that kind of revolving door, it's hard to maintain academic performance and consistency and teamwork among the teacher and workforce. The other thing that's, that's a concern to me is that I have specific examples of um, what I would call um, ideological curriculum, curriculum that's not centered and focused on the, on the fundamentals. So if you look at the STAR test, one through eighth grade, and I believe I'm correct, eighth grade math mastery was 13%. Ooh. 13%. And I believe there's only three or four grade level subject categories where mastery is over 50%. That is a significant problem. So those two have to be, in my mind, addressed in concert um, and with teacher involvement, with parent involvement. And we'll use workshops. We've talked about that amongst us that are running and the workshops could be in the evening. It could be on a weekend, Saturday. It, could, it should be, as we are servant leaders, when the folks can most readily come and have us discuss and talk things over with them. Um, so um, let's talk about transparency now. So we talked a little bit about performance and about how, how the ISD is do, excuse me, doing in that regard. <laughs> um, transparency. There, there's a couple of examples um, about transparency um, that I want to that I want to focus on. Um, first, parents are not readily able to be involved in curriculum and planning development. In fact, there's an education code 11.251 which says that those committees should be available. However, under certain circumstances, like being a uh, district of innovation, it's not required that you do that. Uh, I think that has to be turned around. 
the school health advisory committee, the last time I checked, which was some time ago, 15 out of 52 people were not on the school payroll. I don't think that's parity. I think more, more folks from the outside need to be able to be involved in that. Okay. Second, where does the money go? Uh, in fact, the current school, Fraser Elementary, um, does not have funding approval for the contractor that's managing that construction contract. The contract for the architect, Corgan, was approved January of 2021, but it wasn't until January of 2022 until $1.7 for quote-unquote architectural engineering was tabled in the consent agenda and approved. And there are other issues as well with the managing of our, of our bond funds, not the least of which is there is never a closeout report. There's never a report back to the board in open meeting on what we spent, what we budgeted, what the difference was, what kind of work we did, what we found, what kind of incidents we might have had, including safety incidents, so that we can come to closure on how much was spent, how much of the contingency was returned to the to the bank, so to speak. And so those things are are very, very concerning to me in terms of best use of our funds. Um, so third, what about a monthly safety report? In my work life, in my 43 years in industry across uh, three different industry sectors, petrochemical, oil, and gas, and then 10 years with Texas Instruments, there were two things that were cornerstones, safety and cost management. And you have to track your incidents, you have to, you have to rank them by frequency, and you have to work on them. We have a pretty robust emergency response plan, but when asked for incidents um, non-athletic, we got no response. That is very troubling to me. We have uh, pictures of doors being still left open. Um, so I think you need a, a robust uh, safety program, uh, somewhat guided by the principles that OSHA's developed since, what, 1973, as they put together the, what I consider, at the time, we didn't like it. They were, they were, they were hassling us. <laughs> but we began, began, begun to realize how helpful it was to demonstrate that you care about your workforce, you care about your people, because you care about their safety, their intrinsic safety on the job, including even at home. Those practices you take, that you learn at work, you take with you, and you use them at home. So safety, I think, should be a point of focus. We must have an identified, recognized, robust safety program district-wide in all of our facilities. Now, financial reporting is another thing that as I've been to all these school board meetings, I've observed we have about a $253 million, give or take, operating budget. That's a quarter of a billion dollars. That's a big operation. 60% of that's in one line item, $150 million. It's salaries. Now, and you, 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 can't, you can't manage what you don't measure. As with safety, if you're not measuring incidents, if you don't have a robust program where you have incident tracking, where you have a manual that, that says here are the hazards that are inherent in this facility, here's the way we avoid them, and training logs and audit logs to come to closure, you can't manage what you don't measure. So safety and financial reportability and financial management are things that are, are, are critical to me. And, and a capstone of all this transparency is we must involve the stakeholders. 
the parents, even taxpayers who don't have kids in school have a stake in these kids being developed well academically and holistically. And so I think that we need to institute some form of a workshop program to hit the high spots of what the community says they want to know about. Now, not everybody will want to be involved, but there should be some comfort in knowing that the district is totally transparent in issues they can be and involves the public. So what are the um, three primary reasons that people should vote for you, Jim? I mean, you've got an impressive background, so. Well, thank you, Ken. Um, it was hard work, and I was very, very blessed to have some wonderful mentors who taught me what the practice of principal-centered servant leadership was all about. So I have 43 years up to senior management, putting together teams, reconciling uh, the poor performance and the conflict in teams, uh, working within them, sometimes using organizational development consultants. These are people whose expertise is helping people work through disagreements that have festered for a long time and actually begun to impact performance. So I have that significant background. And then, number two, technically and managerially, I have some significant experience in safety programs, safety management in workplaces, uh, significant experience in capital program and administration, and as I just said, significant experience in team building and in helping people in teams work better together. Um, but third and most important to me, Ken, is the fact that I am – as a registered engineer for four decades plus, had to pledge to the common good of the public in the ethics of everything that I do, which is one of the reasons I looked into uh, the work I was just mentioning in terms of contracting and contract management. It's not to find fault with any particular individual. It's to improve the principles and practices so that money can be better spent and costs can be controlled and outcomes can be controlled. And um, Integrity. I'm sandwiched between my dad, who was a Navy fighter pilot and squadron executive officer and also an engineering manager, and my son, Adam, that I told you about earlier. Adam retired from the Army MP Corps. He received the Army Commendation Medal three times, and he scored 290 out of 300 on the PT exam. He was a model soldier. Now, while he is not Ellen and my biological son, we love him dearly and unconditionally. And as, as, an, as an aside, critical race theory, as I often say, constant racial tension. And I've studied Robin DiAngelo's book, White Fragility, and Woody Bauman's Fault Lines. And I'm here to tell you that that defines me as his, and his mother as their white parents, as a, his oppressor, and him as the oppressed. And neither we or he is having anything of it because nothing of the kind is the case, okay? So we've lived for, for in McKinney for 25 years, uh, probably twice. We lived in Anchorage 13, so it's right about twice as long as anywhere else. Uh, we were only going to be here 18 months when we came back from Indonesia. Well, now 25 years later, we're still here in the same house, and we have no intention of going anywhere. And after last February's board meeting, a number of folks came to me and said, well, Jim, you need to do this. And I said, I need to do what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? I had thought about it off and on. And my good friend, Don Dozier, who was once the mayor here, worked together at ARCO and knew each other well, told me, yeah, Jim, you need to do this. You need to go run for school board. And that was four years ago. Bless his heart, he's no longer with us. 
but he was a man that I deeply admired and listened to when he, when he spoke. So I hope that gives you a good view of how I see things, why I'm here, and what I want to do. Well, it really does. And uh, impressive background. And uh, you obviously have a heart for serving the city of McKinney. Um, you, you clearly um, have given us a lot to think about. And I uh, hope the listeners out there um, listen to what you've had to say. And they will weigh that out when it comes to May 6th for voting. Um, I would just like to ask you if there's anything else you want to share. I mean, I know you're going to want to share your information for your, yes. uh, for your, for your campaign and everything. Right. right. So I like block walking and meeting my constituents at the front door, eyeball to eyeball and telling them a lot of what I just told you. But my first question to them is what can I do for you? What concerns do you have and how might we address them? And that gives me a lead into talking about after I'm listening to them, what, what some of my priorities are at the time. Um, I want people to know uh, that at my heart, I am very principle-centered. I believe in others. I believe in self-renewal. I'm truth-centered, and I'm a servant leader. Down in the organization where it happens, those are the people you need to empower and help them get the job done, which is the teachers and the counselors, um, many of whom are beyond awesome individuals at heart and capability. Uh, so I want folks to know that, that I'm in it for the right reasons, um, that I've cashed in retirement for the third time, <laughs> and, and my wife uh, and, and my buds in, in oil and gas that I have lunch with occasionally think, Jim, you lost your mind. Do you want to do what? <laughs> said, uh, yeah, I want to help these kids. I want to help these kids grow and develop in the way, in the most wholesome way possible. Um, so, so that's pretty much jimwesterhide.com. Or you can try jimformisd.com without the HTTPS and get to my website. Donate if you feel like it. Uh, contact me. Um, ask me questions. I'm an open book. That's the only thing I know how to do uh, is, is accept the very confidential information, which I'll tell you I can't talk about. But if you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you the whole answer. I'm not going to tell you a parsed answer. Or I'm going to tell you, really, I can't talk about that. So that's what I want folks to know. That's how they can find me at those two websites. All right, great, Jim. And, you know, folks out there listening, sign up to his websites, and I'm sure he's going to update you with uh, block walking and uh, meet and greet events and any, any ways you can meet up with Jim and get to know him better. And uh, we just want to thank you for coming on today, Jim. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here today. And um, we will uh, wrap this up here, and we just want to let you all know that we'll have more candidates um, from Collin County and uh, on the podcast in the next several weeks as we lead up to Election Day. And so tune in and uh, we'll have candidates on probably in your neck of the woods and you can find out more about them so you can make the best informed decision when you go to vote. So thanks again, Jim. Thank you for coming on. And we will all see you all on the next episode of Not Your Power Couple. Have a great week, everyone.